Welcome to the Atlanta Foodcast. Stories from the people who are making Atlanta the greatest city for eaters. I'm your host, Ben Getz. So Craig moved to Atlanta back when things were still kind of taking shape. And in fact, many aspects of food, good beer, the Beltline, and generally Atlanta as we know it today was still kind of the distant future. And he opened Hop City a little over 10 years ago to offer a place for Atlantans to fill a growler and pick up all the gear needed for home brewing, a few bottles of wine, and much, much more. And since that first location on the west side, they've actually expanded the stores across the city and even into Birmingham, Alabama. And the other side of Craig's story that you're going to love is that he found his way into opening restaurants through his love and the need of good beer. So here he is, Craig Torres of Hop City. I'm coming over here and something new every time I come over to like West End or we walk the Beltline and um, it's really awesome to see actually. So, so we look at the, the East Side Beltline and sort of the progression of sort of, is this not going to be anything? Is it, There's a park here, great, does anyone care? Yeah. Uh, to where it is now, where it's arguably the top tourist destination in Atlanta. Um, more, more tourists hit our Beltline than they go to Centennial Olympic Park at this point. Yeah. Um, so when we had the opportunity to move to this side of town, it was a pretty easy sell. Yeah. I, I already know what the future looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully not in 10 years like it took on the other side of town, hopefully more like three to four years. Right. And ultimately not hopefully quite as high density. Um, I used to like the old days when you could actually run on the Beltline. Um, <laughs> Can't do that anymore. No, God, no. no. Yeah. <laughs> don't even want don't, don't to push anything with wheels, let alone get on something with a motor. Exactly. Um, but anyway, I'm glad that we share affinity and opinions about the Beltline. But Craig Torres of Hop City, Boxcar, Barley Garden, and the Beer World, welcome to the Atlanta Foodcast. Thank this- you. We, we've decided we're only naming things with a B or an H. So oh, that's great. It, it, just, to, just for simplistic purposes. There's a lot that you could do in the beer world with that, though. Well, like that's what I figured. You've got, you have options. Beer you know? starts with a B, so... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's probably probably your favorite consonant, I can imagine. It is. Yeah. Do you have a favorite vowel? <laughs> <laughs> Don't answer that question. Oh, my God. Uh, um, it's a Y, but only under certain circumstances. Yeah, I, I can understand why. You're, you must be a... You must be a grammar dude. <laughs> um, well, I'm really excited to have you on the show. I have filled many a growler at Hop City. I have uh, had many a pint at Crog Street Market. I have only been over to this side of town once, like we already discussed. I'm a terrible Atlanta dweller. But, um, but you guys have done amazing things for beer here in the city. And you, um, I, I would say that you're, you're a native. You've got a long history here in Atlanta. Um, and, and I know we'll cover that. You're gritting your teeth. But we'll, we'll get into that, and I'll prove you wrong. But... Um, I, I, I'm really looking forward to hearing more about your story and obviously talking about business, but, um, you're going to get the first question that everybody gets on the show. So you have to tell me who cooked for you growing up and what kind of cook was he or she? On a daily basis, my mother cooked. Um, and it was simple. She, she was, uh, her family was from England. So I would say we did a lot of pot roast. We had, um, like, um, roast beef and Yorkshire pudding every Sunday night, very traditional, um, food. But here's my caveat to that. The food I really enjoyed eating was my grandmother's cooking. My father's of Mexican descent. And my, gotcha. my grandmother was, was second generation Mexican. And she, she spoke Spanish and, and only really cooked Mexican food. So she would make this amazing green chili um, that was moderately spicy. Um, and it was not what we think of as chili. Like in a chili cook-off, it was really a, um, 
almost soupy with chunks of pork in it and it was not un- like if you went to a like a mexican restaurant that's not what they would serve you and yeah. you'd pour it over beans or chili or uh, beans or rice or whatever you you put it on top and it was so good um anyway that's the cooking i look forward to i'm, I'm already hooked on everything that you just described like i want to eat that uh pretty much with every meal but I, and it's so hard when people are not into um, like I, I grew up eating amazing Cuban food. My neighbors were Cuban and from the Dominican Republic. So imagine like really good, like the perfect rice, amazing Cuban black beans, and then like plantains, but cooked a little bit differently. And then it was like a really great, you know, convergence of two cultures and cuisine. And, um, like I, I've loved it ever since I was a kid, you know, but I mean, what little kid wants to eat like rice and beans? I make my kids eat rice and beans and I'm glad that they like it. But, um, but man, when it's done right, like green chili, like, Oh, so there's, good. Yeah, there's nothing that I would ever turn down. So. She, she would make her own tortillas from scratch, oh, like yeah. not like a store-bought tortilla. So she yeah. would, uh, had to go out by masa trigo, uh, yep. which is a special, it's really a special grist of, of flour. Yeah. And then she would, it would take all day, and she would knead it, and she'd have to put it in the fridge. Um, and then she would hand roll it with this wooden, um, it was like really just a dowel. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then she had this old, like, turn-of-the-century um, stovetop that she would put on top of her burners because she's like, oh no, Hito, you can't cook this on, on a stove. It has to be on a special stove. Yeah. So she would make her own stove on a stove just to make these tortillas. That's amazing. Yeah. God, but I mean, just the, the, I mean, the visual of that and then also knowing the flavor that comes out after the fact. Oh man, I'm jealous. Yeah. Where and then she? clearly I own a Mexican restaurant. Yeah. No, I, I don't. But. <laughs> You've done well for yourself, Craig. Um, where was home? Um, I grew up, I was born in DC. Um, I grew up, my early eight years were in, uh, Colorado in Denver. Oh, uh, gotcha. That's where my grandma, was. Uh, my whole, all of my dad's family was from outside of Denver. Gotcha. Um, and then when I was in 77, cause I'm really old, um, we moved to New Jersey. And so I really consider myself being from New Jersey. Um, but gotcha. we, uh, so that's where my, my wife and I went to high school together. We we're high school sweethearts. Um, and then we got married in New Jersey and then promptly left because it sucks. <laughs> don't, shh, don't tell New Jersey. Yeah. Um, from New Jersey, but guess what? I really, it, it sucks. Glad I left. <laughs> uh, so yes, we've, I've been down here 26 years now and, uh, I can't imagine living anywhere other than Georgia. Yeah. See, I, that's what I'm, that's what I was getting at though. Like you have out, you've outnumbered so many people just by the number of years that you have. I mean, that's pre everything like pre-olympics you know you've you've got you've got enough to say like you're uh you're a part of a of an atlanta or georgia era um that not many people can tout so i i my kids are from georgia i tell people yeah hey my kids are from here but i i love georgia i'm 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 not a native i don't pretend to be a native but yes i'm totally in love with atlanta and georgia and um (laughs) every time i come i go to drive to birmingham once a week for our store in Birmingham. And as I come back over the hill at like two in the morning, um, I see the skyline at, right by Six Flags. It's and amazing, it, right? Uh, it's like, oh, you know, yeah. I'm just, oh yeah, this is home. It, it is really cool. I mean, cause I don't, you know, I mean, for the, for the most part, I think a lot of people drive north or they drive south. Like it's, it's like downtown connector and then like 75 or 85 north or they're heading down, you know, somewhere out like Florida, somewhere great, you know, but uh, very, I mean, I actually just drove to Alabama just a few weeks ago. And then as I was leaving, I see it in the rear view mirror and you forget, man, like it is just a beautiful view of the skyline. And then when you're coming back, you're like, Oh, finally I'm back in Atlanta. And then you hit traffic and you're like, damn it. Why did I get so excited? So, um, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah. So it, it's my favorite view of Atlanta, just only because it's like, it's most of the views you have to be kind of closer in, but yeah. this one, you get just the right sort of distance and you're like, Oh yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. So you moved down to Atlanta from Jersey 26 years ago. What, Correct. What brought you down to the South? 
Well, we, we got, Eileen and I got married and we looked around New Jersey and said, well, we can't really afford a house here. Um, and we each had kind of shitty jobs and um, we really wanted to start our future together. So mm-hmm. my wife is an engineer and she's very uh, detail oriented. So she made us do a flow chart, or uh, I'm sorry, uh, just a chart, just a chart. Yeah. So we had to weigh, you know, pros and cons. And we had, anyway, we, we picked out all these cities and uh, long story short, as we ranked six top cities, and Atlanta came out first. So we took a job hunting trip for a week and neither of us actually had jobs, but we were like, felt confident enough that we packed all our shit up. I'm sorry, our stuff up in a- Swearing is totally allowed. Okay? Okay, yeah, cool. totally. Yeah, I know I, what you mean by you packed yeah. all your shit up, so. I, I do radio in <laughs> Birmingham every week and I'm always like, don't curse, so. Yeah, I think what I, I usually encourage it because most of the time it's people who are either very close to a kitchen or they are like deep, as, as a lot of people would say, deep in the shit. And, um, so I, I, I usually just can't turn it off. You know, it's like, yeah. I encourage it, like, please let it flow naturally. Uh, but yeah, it's hard when you have to kind of dial it down. You're like, I've never had to do that before. How do I, do, do you practice? Yeah, um, I don't know. I, it's one of those I have to be super conscientious because my natural inclination, I'm, I'm former coast guard. So, you know, you kind of learn how to curse in the, so, I mean, I already knew how to curse, but yeah, it, it so really brings the best out of you. Yeah. I was going to say you, you were like pro level if you're in the military. Exactly. So, yeah. Well, especially under, on a ship, it's <laughs> A lot of cursing on chips. Yeah, that's all that you have is like everything has the adjective that happens to be an expletive. That's how you describe things. Like, get me the effing, you know, whatever. So exactly. I just censored my own podcast. Um, Love it. Yeah. Um, yeah, but anyway, we moved down. And, yeah. uh, and I moved down. We moved in on Sunday night. By Monday, I had a job. And uh, the rest is history. Gotcha. So throughout your life, tell me how you got into beer. So that also started at a, a younger age. Um, when I was uh, 16, I, I was always, you know, Are I always thought drinking? I was, I was already drinking. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I tell everybody, though, the 70s were different. Uh, well, I guess it would have been the 80s at that point. Um, there wasn't the stigma that there was today on, right. on, you know, sort of, I mean, they had just changed the drinking age from 18 to 21. And yeah. I, I was 16 when they did that. So yeah. I'm like, damn it. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, but you guys were already like way more responsible. Oh, I don't know about that. I think I was maybe in a different way. Hyper irresponsible in many ways. Um, but I would be the kid who would go out and buy a moose head for the party because I thought that was like, you know, a step above. Um, oh, turns out it wasn't. Right. Um, <laughs> but nobody but knew better. Seventeen-year-old me told sixteen-year-old me, "Oh no, no, no." <laughs> um, long story short, I went to the uh, the Coast Guard uh, Academy in New London, Connecticut, and uh, that's where I discovered Pete's Wicked Ale. Um, and that what I would describe as my first true craft beer, hmm. um, which of course at the time was one of the only craft beers, uh, East Coast ones at least. I mean, of course, Sierra Nevada was around. Right. Um, and I, I fell in love with this deeper, richer flavor. And then I discovered Newcastle Brown. And then next thing you know, I'm over in England drinking beer at a pub going, oh my goodness, why don't we have this? In a, why doesn't America have these beers? Why yeah. these flavors? Uh, why do we drink our beer freezing cold so you can't taste it? Anyway, I was I was in deep, and then I had my first Chimay White. I would describe that as a life-changing beer for me. Hmm. Um, it was so much, of course, you know, we didn't have a Tripel in, a, in this country. Yeah. Uh, so, what, I mean, sweeter, richer, deeper. Yeah. It, it was like, hello. Yeah. <laughs> that was really good. No, thanks. You've got, you've got a, uh, you, you definitely have the potential of, like, doing voiceover for, 
like a beer cartoon or Thanks. something, Craig. I, I have a face for radio, as they say. So uh, <laughs> I would I would say that I have the same. I'm glad yeah. that I don't really have to be in front of people a lot. It's like that's why I chose to do a podcast. I don't want to do a live show. Yeah, who Just wants leave that? me alone? Yeah, who wants, don't, I don't. I, I like the anonymity of yeah, radio. I don't want to look at you looking back at me. So just let me do my thing. So, but that was really good. I like oh, that. Thanks. I like that. Um, but no, that was the first, that beer truly changed my path for beer. I was like, okay, I, I didn't really ever think I'd make a vocation of it, but I, I started after that first Chimay White, I started journaling my beers. Of course, back then there was no internet. So, right. uh, you know, but that was the hook. Like right. Chimay Damn White you was the untapped, hook. you know, yeah. like, where were you when I needed you? Um, but yeah. I, I would keep a book and all the beers I would write when I'd be overseas, I'd, I'd just jot them down in a, in a book and say, mm. you loved it. Didn't like it. Two words. It mm. wasn't anything fancy. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was really just so I didn't repeat my beer. Right. Um, and so it could help dial in on the things I enjoyed. Um, and who knew that one day I would actually do all that for a living. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's, it's interesting that you talk about, you know, the days before things like untapped or even just the internet. I mean, what, what was like the main way that you were, that you were experiencing craft beer? I mean, that was, I mean, I guess domestic. I mean, you talk about like Sierra Nevada or some of like, I mean, even like Sam Adams or, you know, Newcastle. I mean, that's not from here, but you know, what was the, what was like the place that you were going to at a young age? And then when you moved down here to Atlanta, like what was the craft beer place like Haven for you? Well, the funny thing is there really was nothing. I mean, the, when you're in the Coast Guard, you get to travel around a lot. And you get yeah. a lot, lot of different ports of call. And, and if you're lucky, you could find one place in almost any city that had mm-hmm. maybe one or two cool beers on. Yeah. Uh, and that was really my MO. I'd, I'd seek out every time I went to a bar, I'd find something that maybe I hadn't had before. Um, and you don't always get craft beer. We went to um, um, Sydney, Australia in the Coast Guard, which is pretty cool. Um, That's super cool. Spectacular city. They drink a lot there. <laughs> <laughs> what's, what's like the most popular beer in, in Sydney? Um, in Queensland, they drink a lot of 4X, or at least they did back in the 80s. Hmm. They don't have that here. Um, hmm. And they had a little song, I can feel a 4X coming on. <laughs> anyway, uh, and Victoria Bitters, <laughs> I remember that one. Um, these are all simple, easy beer. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe a step slightly above you know, a uh, macro, like a Miller light or whatever. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's hard to get a uh, step beyond Miller light. So <laughs> I was like, if someone's like, do you want a beer? It's like, I just, uh, I'll have a Gatorade or wa- something else. Water's good. Yeah. Thanks. Water's fine without yeah. ice. You can even like kind of, you can drink out of it first yeah. and I'll be fine. Yeah. If so. you want to just put it into a bottle, that's great. You know, be the same thing. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. then when you're talking about, uh, man, you know, it's Miller high life. I don't know. I think it's just more of like, I feel cool drinking it, you know, but Miller Lite, I'm like, someone's mad at me for giving me this, <laughs> but, but Miller High Life, like they're like, Ben's cool. He's going to dig this. I so like it. yeah. Um, uh, yeah. But, but yeah, that was it. I would just find different spots wherever I went to, uh, to drink cool beer. But when we moved down to Atlanta, um, that was a step backwards in my beer evolution. Um, and again, not that that's, we didn't move down for beer. I didn't have a vocation in beer. Sure. In fact, I was an insurance adjuster. Coolest job ever. Um, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I get so, it. I got gotcha. you. But you so, do what you do, and um, yeah. th- gratefully they transferred me in six months over to uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. Oh, and gotcha. while Charlotte, in and of itself, at the time, didn't have a great beer scene, yeah, probably um, didn't have much of anything seen. Back. Uh, it had a great banking scene. Yeah, it did. Yeah, I'd say if you want an IRA, uh, Charlotte's a great town. <laughs> <laughs> um, they had a they have a cool little arena there. They probably still do uh, where the Charlotte Checkers play with yep. minor league hockey. And yep. being from New Jersey, I was like, at least there was a little touch of home. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Yeah. So no, yeah. it wasn't. That, I like Charlotte. It was cool. Yeah, it's um, a good town. It's a good it, town. It I cool. lived there for a long time, so I just you know I can joke around about it. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but we my territory included Asheville, so 
Oh, and even back then, go. Highland was around, or yep. at least it had just opened. Yeah, Green Man maybe. Ah, uh, maybe not. Maybe I don't know. not. There's some that have like some serious tenure, you know. And uh, it's it's interesting going to to Asheville, and I mean now I can't even keep track, man. I mean like the. Oh gosh. I mean, you go to like the Funkatorium and you're like, I didn't know that you could drink. This is beer. You know, like <laughs> Asheville teaches you new things that mm. I, I, I don't know if you see anywhere else in the States, probably just like elsewhere in the world. So Asheville's a-, a cool place. Asheville's awesome. Asheville, San Diego, Portland, Oregon. I mean, there's a, there are a couple of cities in this country that I don't know what it is. A Denver, Colorado, where yeah. you just, there's so much innovation in the beer world that you just you, you, you throw a rock and you hit another brewery or beer or something you've never tried before. Yeah. Love it. No, it is, it is really, really interesting you know, just to see these, these places become hearths, you know, for, mm-hmm. for breweries, for beer culture, for people to kind of pilgrimage to, you know, buy the, the limited release. You know, I've, I've actually never been to like Highland for um, like a cold mountain release, you know, or anything like that. But um, I always just, you know, find it like usually greens is like the place and nobody else wants to buy it, which I love, you know, but, um, but it is cool to see, you know, there's, there's places like that, you know, that, that people are just so they, they gravitate towards for those moments in throughout the year, or it's just, you know, to become a great beer town, you know, right. and it's what drives so much of the local economy, which is really cool. And in the abrupt transition, um, you know, I'm very awkward about this, but that's exactly why we've opened up here in the West End, mm-hmm. um, because we look at I look at Asheville and mm-hmm. I look at the fact that I could walk to six different breweries in two blocks. Yeah, and I'm like, why can't we have that here in Atlanta? Um, and so Monday nights, my next door neighbor, ASW Distilleries, my next door neighbor, um, Best End Brewing is uh, about a month or two away from opening, and then Wild Heaven also my next door neighbor. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So this is my lone little mini Asheville. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, I I think as, you know, people talk about, you know, just like deserts of, you know, good food or good, I mean, just like local culture, you know, I mean, I think you guys have, you guys have very strategically built, um, you know, and and really are, I think, continuing to help define beer culture for Atlanta, um, which is a really interesting thing to talk about. You know, I, I think when, you know, and we can fast forward a little bit, you know, talking about Hop City specifically, um, when I moved to Georgia in 2013, you know, coming from North Carolina, very, very different in, in terms of beer law, like Georgia, like alcohol, you know, restriction and, you know, regulation and then going to a growler shop in Hop City. I mean, lo and behold, I mean, it was the first one that I went to. It was the um, first one in Atlanta. Yes. Yeah. And, and I, um, I was so surprised that I couldn't just go to the growler shop and drink a beer and hang out with the guy who works behind the counter and then leave with a growler. I was like, this is so strange. Like, so I can't, I can only just get a growler filled here. So what was it like when you guys started Hop City? You know, what, what was like that, culture like for for people in Atlanta who liked beer you know but there was no place to get a growler filled so we opened Hop City ten and a half years ago and at the time the alcohol law had only changed uh, six years earlier where it, the alcohol limit was raised from six percent cap to 14 percent cap mm-hmm. um, it's a pretty big jump <laughs> it was but you could think of pre pre six percent what our, our how limited our options were yeah um, it big was time. it was pretty you know, and of course there were no Sunday sales. So yeah. when we opened Hop City, yes, we could do 14% beer, but no Sunday sales. Um, honestly, that was kind of a blessing at the time because we started on a shoestring budget and there was only four, I had, I had four team members and myself. And I, I worked at, if we were open 10 a.m., you know, 10 p.m., I was, I was there. So right. um, it would have killed me if we were open on Sundays. So <laughs> I was kind of grateful for that. Yeah, but, exactly. um, but yeah, we, we had opened with the idea that we were going to carry every beer available in the state of Georgia which was uh, completely feasible at the time mm-hmm. because it was still a growing market. Um, 
you know, there really weren't a ton of places you could go and buy good beer. Yeah. Um, like, like you, I, I would go to Greens, and, and Greens was very much an inspiration to us. Um, but Greens, for better or for worse, is a liquor store. Yeah. And um, they, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they, there was not um, a curator, if you were. There actually is. He's a great guy. But mm-hmm. uh, he wouldn't be out there in the beer department telling you what to buy. Right. So you were kind of on your own to decide if this is worthy or not worthy or should I buy this or not buy it. So that was sort of our idea. We are going to curate a collection. We're going to staff it with people who are beer nerds and or wine nerds and uh, essentially help you pick out what makes the most sense for you. Yeah. That's our, that's the germinating point. That's, that's what we're all about. Yeah. You know, and I think that was, um, that's so interesting, you know, to think of 10 and a half years ago. So we're talking about, you know, 2009, 2010, that's a big moment of change for a lot of how people are experiencing local business. Um, so that kind of makes me think of, you know, when like really Big, big things like, I mean, social media advertising was kind of like on the rise in like 2009 to 2010. People were making Facebook pages for the first time. Like there was, there was now this idea of you can connect with a local business in a lot of different ways. And local knowledge was becoming more ubiquitous. You know, people could find their way around, feel more like a local, you know, and um, it was becoming, you know, the, the world was just shrinking more in terms of what you could do in the palm of your hand. Um, and you know, what, what was it, what was it like for you guys to, to kind of, you know, work with, I mean, just local breweries here in Atlanta, but also in Georgia and also help expand more of that retail aspect. Sure. Of course, breweries at the time couldn't retail anything out of their front right. door. In fact, they couldn't even sell anything, which is awkward because, uh, like you said, you come from North Carolina where it, you can you can get a beer at almost any brewery in North Carolina. I'm sure at this point, any brewery. Totally. And, and that's why I was saying, like, Georgia beer laws were just so strange to yeah. me. They were like this mystic thing of how does that make any sense? It's like, I mean, your neighbor, like essentially one state over is there's no problem with it, but it was just like this, these arcane, you know, when even we can, we can keep going on that. So (laughs) that's a whole different podcast. Yeah, exactly. Um, But yeah, it it, it was weird because yeah, you could go to Sweetwater, you can pay for the tour and I'm using my air quotes, you know, you pay your 10 bucks, you get a, you're buying the glass essentially. And then you're getting free beer inside of your glass. We all know what the tour really was. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so we worked really well with our local breweries um, early on. Not that we still don't, because we obviously still do. That'd be great if you were like, we don't anymore, but it was great when <laughs> we did. They all suck now. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, I, I love her. So, and, um, well, I'll tell you exactly how much in a little bit. Yeah. Um, but it was, it was super fun, because there really wasn't one place where you could go and, and retail all, buy all the, the local beers. I mean, mm-hmm. maybe your local supermarket had a couple sweet waters. Or, you know, they were out there. But remember, back then, there were only six breweries in Georgia. Yeah. I mean, there really weren't that many to talk about. Right. Um, not including brew pubs, but there were six production breweries. Right, right, right. Gotcha. Um, it was it was exciting time. Like I said, it was limited. And then all of a sudden, these people would come in and buy their homebrew stuff and be like, I'm going to open a brewery. And you're like, okay. And But the funny thing is, back then, they did. Uh, Jonathan, um, well, all the Monday night guys were my homebrew clients uh, from Monday Night Brewing. Uh, yeah. They had a homebrew club right up the street from us. They opened a brewery. J- Jason from Orpheus, he was one of our homebrew clients. He he came in and opened a brewery. I mean, it's it's funny how you look around and how many of these folks I interacted with before when they were yeah. just like the two of us. They were just 
you know, normal, yeah. normal guys and uh, they, with a business plan. And right. It was so fun. Well, and we're talking about your first location 10 and a half years ago. So this is a location over on the west side. That's correct. Over so, uh, West Midtown. Yeah. So, and, and that, you know, with, with you guys over there and then five seasons when they were open, I mean, they had a long run, you know, but oh, yeah. that was the first place that I actually, I mean, when I went to go get a growler filled, that was what, I mean, this was seriously within like the first month of moving here. Just so used to, okay, cool. It's the weekend. We're going to go get a growler or, you know, several because people are coming over. We're going to grill. It was just a very normal thing, but we're probably going to go hang out at the growler shop for a little while, you know, before we go back home to drink more beer. And, um, but the, the West side location, you know, we drove all the way from our place over on the East side of town to go over there. And, um, that was the first place that I saw a lot of people there buying homebrew equipment. I mean, there, there was a lot of people who did that in North Carolina, but it seemed like you, you were really helping establish more of, you know, Hey, this is, this is where you, this is where you probably want to be. Like, this is like, these are your people, but we've got all the things that you need as well. It was kind of like the beer hardware store. That's what it felt like. Well, and that's sort of what we were going for. And, and really we've never described ourselves as a package store. Um, we we're a lifestyle store yeah. and, uh, we're f- for the beer enthusiast, if you will, and wine enthusiast, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the idea is create a destination where it's a comfort space or a safe space where you can come in and you get the advice you need. You, you can talk home brewing. You, you don't have to be a home brewer. Uh, you can just talk about beer and styles and, um, you, you kind of felt everybody under that roof was in your, they were your people. Yeah. Um, and it, it had nothing to do with what you look like or your gender or anything like none of that mattered. It was all about your, your passion for beer or wine. Yeah. So within the past 10 and a half years, you know, and I'm thinking from a culinary perspective as well, I, I am not always a beer with food person. I think there's a time and a place for it in my life where I've been to plenty of beer dinners in my life. Always had a great time. Super, super fun. And then especially when you work with a cool brewery, they're like, hey, we're going to send you home with a 12 pack. Like now I feel like <laughs> I've, I've won something. It's like I want to raffle on the way in. Um, but I, I, I think now, um, as, as I'm aging, you know, more, I, I really just like to drink beer by itself, like nothing else to like work along my palate. But how have you guys seen, you know, from, from really having a retail aspect of working with a brewery and people becoming, you know, more interested in cooking for themselves at home, you know, with, I mean, I mean, again, you talk about how easy it is to access a great recipe and cook something at home and, you know, people are, are looking to do that more and more. How have you guys seen that also because you guys really established so much of how that really works here in Atlanta. How, how have you guys seen that kind of interact, you know, with your business and also people wanting to like, Hey, I'm pairing this with salmon. What should I get? So that obviously you're, that's a ginormous question. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to piece it out. <laughs> you're like, I just don't want to answer that. <laughs> no, 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 no. I love the question. Actually, it's a great <laughs> question. Um, so we're going to start, we're going to dissect that into I think three different parts. First being the business part of that. Um, so when we opened, like you said, it was a different time. Uh, and because we weren't competing with breweries and really by and large weren't competing with the grocery segment, um, we were competing with liquor stores. Uh, so it was really easy to set yourself apart from that because again, we, we had home brewing, we had uh, curation, we had, we had people, we didn't have sales assistants as much as we had beer nerds who would walk the aisles and be like, Oh, you like that? You're going to like that, etc." And we merchandise right. anything a lot differently still do. Um, but we were the first folks in town who merchandised by style rather than by brewery or totally. um, alphabetized or whatever the case may be. Um, and I think it, it, and I still believe this to this day, that it helps you figure out if I like this beer, now I have an easy connection to my next beer or the next beer after that and so on and so forth. Sure. Um, but comparing that to where we are today, um, now we are competing directly with, I mean, it, it's f- sad but true, but 
theoretically at least, Monday night is selling bottles of beer, right? Um, they're selling pints of beer. I sell bottles and pints of beer. Um, how do I separate that experience from a visit to the brewery? Um, same with grocery stores. I mean, now Kroger, I mean, Publix, you, you can go in there and you can buy a beer to drink yeah. while you shop. All the things that I did early on, now, I mean, that's not a unique thing anymore. Everybody right. can do that. So right. that's really where the food dimension came in. That's why we opened restaurants. Um, it is not because I've always had a longstanding passion to be a restaurateur. Quite the op- opposite. I've never wanted to own a restaurant. In yeah. fact, had you asked me 10 years ago, will you one day open a restaurant? I'd be like, hell no, dude. Yeah. No chance at all. <laughs> never going to happen. Yeah. Um, but it, it, we matured into this. So to create that all in one experience uh, and it can be for folks like you who don't necessarily value the pairing of food and beer um, but just love beer yeah cool we got a spot for you our downstairs here at, at, at the West End location is a traditional hop city if you will right it's a belly up bar you go you get a beer you don't have to have any food at all you can just drink your beer and shop for other beers or whatever you want to do yeah hang out with your friend that's cool all, all of that's cool that's what I want. I just don't like people either, so I don't want to okay. be around anyone else. There's a little room. No, I'm just Just kidding. for me. That's great. <laughs> it's, it's basically a broom closet. You can lock yourself in there with your beer, though. It's great. Exactly. So, and yeah. then when the beer's over, you just push it out the little slot, yep, and then, and then another leave. one comes in. Yep. Oh. You can yeah walk out by yourself and into the darkness, and nobody has to see me. <laughs> that's what I like. Um, but that's, that's where... And then there are uh, other folks who want that beer pairing experience. Right. Um, but it's really a, a better way to create that affinity... You come in, you can get a meal, you can get a beer, you can get, um, we describe it as a gift shop experience, right? So you've had an amazing meal, you've paired your beer with that meal. Maybe you've found a beer you've never had before, Mm -hmm. and now you can stop on your way out and and pick that six-pack up or a a large format or whatever works for you. That is really cool. You know, it's it's interesting. I think the reason, you know, and you're just enlightening so much of my life, Craig. Um, <laughs> I think what I realize is I've attributed so much of beer memory to just experiencing the beer. It's been about the brewer. It's been about the process, walking through the brewery and seeing, you know, the brightening tank and then everything in the fermenter. And then it comes yeah. out and they're actually, you know, letting you taste it like before it's fully matured. And then you can appreciate it because now it's on the tap and then you're drinking it in the tap room. That was, but I think that was a very North Carolina thing. That was every brewery that was within a, you know, three or four mile radius from us in Charlotte. You know, I mean, you talk about being able to walk to from brewery to brewery. I think you can probably do that even easier now in Charlotte. And I mean, there's again, so many more than I don't even know, but I think for the people that attribute memories of, of beer and experience and they're pairing that with food, like that's just like a dimension that I, I was just introduced to the, to the former, you know, but I think more people are probably going that route of like, they want beer to fit into more of like the culinary landscape of their lives. I, I think so too. I, I love, I love beer dinners. Um, I've always felt, and I love mm-hmm. wine too. It's, I mean, obviously it was hop city beer and wine. It's yeah. not just one or the other. Um, but at, wine at the end of the day is, is going to be a grape and well, the barrel and the yeast, and there's a lot of things that you could do to differentiate your wines. Beer, it doesn't even have to be the same base grain, right? Mm-hmm. It could be wheat. It could be barley. It could be spelt. It could be, I yeah. mean, Anyway, I, I, obviously, I, I will wax poetic about beer as long as you'll let me. But, yeah. um, but I've always felt because of um, the use of adjuncts, like it's not like you're going to have a wine that has like um, uh, vanilla in it or like, yeah. you know, obviously. I mean, you could. It sounds I pretty guess gross. you could. Yeah. I, I'm not into that, I don't think. But <laughs> I'm not either. My, my point is you have all the adjuncts in the world that you can yeah. chunk into a beer uh, and you can make it work with pretty much any meal ever made. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, Mastodon. I'm sure that the uh, you know the cavemen were thinking, okay, I'm going to pair that with a lovely mead. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't. Know. I, I maybe I'm just yeah. 
overreaching a bit. But go, go talk to the guy in the back of the cave. He's the local Cicerone. Okay, <laughs> exactly. don't don't talk to me about what you want to eat with what wild game we're chasing. This is a really odd visual for everybody. Right? I, I'm picturing it. Sometimes I need to let things yeah. go. He had a long beard. Yeah. Uh, he was probably wearing a trucker hat. Totally. Um, yeah. But you know what I mean? Like, I just take things too flat far. Flat shirt. Yeah. We can keep going with yeah. this. We really anyway, could. You see where I had that on this. <laughs> um, he was but, that caveman. Yeah. He was that caveman. He was that guy. He was the one who knew all the good food. And everyone's like, God, he just never shuts up about it. such a douche. Gosh. And he thinks he's really good at hunting. And he knows how to study stuff. And <laughs> everybody hates him. But... He's always at every party. Exactly. And he'd yeah. always bring the cool, you know, fermented yeah. beverage. So I was like, we want him to be there. Yeah. But we've been going for a long time on this. Probably longer than you thought we would. Yes. Um, I, I know it's getting cut in post-production. No, not at all. I leave all this stuff in here. These are the good things. Um, so one of the one of the other things that I want to talk about is you already mentioned this, but you you became a restaurateur. So through, you know, through Barley Garden, through Boxcar, you know, you're you're doing things now with beer that you probably didn't plan for. And, um, and I think we, we talked about this before we got, you know, before we got going, but you know, I, I, I see so many people with stories where they've either done so purposefully or inadvertently, they become a huge part of what it, what has defined Atlanta dining culture and especially everything that's happening over here on the West side of the belt line. And, um, I would say beer is just a very normal thing, you know, here in Atlanta, like at some point you're going to do the tour over at Sweetwater. You're going to go to another event there. You're going to go to one of the, I don't even know how many beer festivals there are now in the city. Um, but now, now seeing you guys expand from, you know, one location of Hop City to Krog and now Birmingham and now you've got this one over here and now you've got two restaurants, one in Avalon, one over on the west side. Um, you guys are doing a lot to to really help, I mean, continue to grow, but also channel the direction of what it means to be an eater in this city. And that's pretty amazing. But what's what, what, what's been your take thus far? Um, it's been it's been a fun adventure. Uh, and it's it's very it, it it's weird to think how it started from point A to point I guess we're on uh, A, B, C, D, E, point E. Uh, gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there really is a progression to it all. Um, right. You know, and it all really, beer is the, the one commonality to all five of our concepts. Um, so the Hop City idea, the core of the idea is really, it's that simple. It's going to have beer, it's going to have wine, and it's going to have something you can drink that's probably beer, wine, or, or a cocktail while you're shopping. That's yeah. that's really the core idea is, is to... Um, give the best possible service when it comes to picking out beer and wine and to allow you to experience it in the process. Yeah. Um, so all of our Hop City branded locations are exactly that. Um, and we're open to continuing a slow, gradual expansion of that. Um, I don't want to be the guy who opens like 40 at once. Like we're not trying to, I'm, I don't franchise anything. I, I'm the only guy. Hop City is me. Yeah. Um, and, and I say that I couldn't have done it without the amazing team we have. Right. But it's really all about not... You know, I'm not looking to make a quick buck. Um, it's all about slow, gradual growth. We, when we have enough money saved up, we can open a new spot. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, and then the restaurant part, really the restaurant part came in because the city of Alpharetta wouldn't allow me to open a bar. Um, Without it, food, right? Exactly. It turns yeah. out it's a statute in Alpharetta. Yeah. You know, first, first no scooters and now, as you know. <laughs> <laughs> Good for them on that. But uh, I but, actually, so I agree with them completely. Yeah. But I, you know, I, it's so funny that you mentioned that because I, I actually found out about, I think, 
all of this because I was actually chevi- I was actually chatting with Kevin Oots from the Spotted Trotter when you guys were getting ready to open Barley Garden and uh, and now still seeing you know so much I mean their their stuff's amazing but I was wondering you know I was like man that's really interesting you know it's like is it does it have something to do with like you have to have food with and th- I mean and again you're talking about really odd laws and like regulations but um, but it's like what better excuse to like hey okay if we have to have food might as well make it the best it can be. Absolutely. So when we, we, we were approached for Avalon phase one, and I, at the time, I wasn't in the mood to open a spot. Plus, I don't really, um, everything we've opened up until Avalon was in a city, like more yeah. of an urban feel. And I just felt that that was not really my, my scene. Mm-hmm. Um, but a number of my friends, including Ford Fry, opened up, up in Avalon. Right. And, and they were all, they said, this is cool. You should, you should check it out. And the more I spent more time I spent up there, the more I realized that there really is an opportunity and a yeah. need. Um, there really wasn't a lot of curation up there. There, there weren't, there were beer places. There were Taco Max and, you know, there was a five seasons and I right. mean, it's not like you couldn't get a good beer as much as, um, the knowledge part of what we do was a little lacking. Yeah. So, um, when they approached me for phase two, um, I said, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll talk to you. So I'm like, I'm going to open a, a hop city. It's going to have a retail. It's going to have a bar. And they're like, Oh yeah. about that? Yeah. Uh, so, I talked to city council and they, they absolutely would not make an exception for that. Hmm. And so I'm like, huh, all right. So who do I know that does food really well? So, um, Kevin Oots is a friend and a, he was a neighbor at, um, Krog market. Yeah. So I said, Kevin, can you give me a hand with this? And I think we did a really great job of just big time, great handheld, you know, everything house made food. Uh, we don't, you know, we don't buy anything prepared. You don't, you don't have the Cisco truck pulling up with like pre-made burgers or anything like that. We make right. it all in house. Um, and it's, but it's simple handheld bar food done really well. And everything we do pairs really well with our beer list, which yeah. you know, 86 taps of really awesome beer. Yeah. But that's, I mean, again, like that, that's such a perfect answer to that quandary of, wow, they're not going to make an exception for, for my business. Like, what do I need to do? And, um, I mean, and, and I would say to that point, you know, I don't spend a lot of time in Alpharetta. I've been to Avalon. I can probably count the number of times I've been to Avalon on one hand. One of them went to Barley Garden, two of them El Felix. And then the other two visits, like, I don't remember why we're here. (laughs) So, but it, it was not for anything, you know, uh, memorable, but that's, um, I think they have a Lululemon. That something like that. Yeah. yeah, that's right on. That's on my um. That's on my list to to do. Uh, go to Lululemon up in Alpharetta. Um, I can think of like ninety other things that I <laughs> should be doing other than that. But, um, but instead of you know letting that place become you know a like a desert essentially of like beer, good beer, beer education, like how you pair beer with food, like actually experiencing that all in one building. Um, you guys kind of answered that, even though you know I, th- I think it's it's interesting to know that people probably didn't see that as like, Oh, like, wow, you're right. I I would have to drive probably 45 minutes down to the West side of Atlanta to, to really, you know, have that experience, you know, but it's, um, it is expanding that, that knowledge and that footprint. And, uh, I mean, I think you guys branded it so well, you know, it's, it's, it's a standout for sure. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, you know, I, I try to make it not fussy. I mean, I'm not a very fancy person. Um, and so it's ideally hopefully came out as, as like a complete, package like you don't totally. look at it and go like oh it's it's mm-hmm. a great idea but I, yeah. if only they did I, I don't I don't want that I want it to be a standalone awesome thing um, but not fussy 
Yeah, totally. Um, well, Craig, I mean, again, I being a customer of Hop City, I mean, for years now, um, for I guess seven of your ten and a half, oh, and um, you know, uh, this is like the next stop for me. I mean, I've got to, I've got to make it over to to Boxcar and um, you know, and just spend more time over here. But um, you and your guys, you you and your whole team, you guys have done um, just great things to to the Atlanta culinary community and culture and um it's so great to see you guys doing things that are really meaningful to you and especially how people would like to experience good beer and what that means for you know breweries like monday night or wild heaven or anyone else um so you know again like that's the the thing that i say here on the show is like you know these are people who are making atlanta the greatest city for eaters and you guys have totally you, know, you guys are part of that list man it's awesome thank it's you really cool I'm, so. I'm i'm super flattered by that <laughs> not that i'm handing out awards or anything but um but it's 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 really great but um but man it's so great to catch up with you thank you so much for for sharing your story and thanks for being on the show oh, greg thank you for having me yeah, yeah. i had super so much fun this is awesome yeah let's go grab a beer sold yeah <laughs> Many thanks to Craig for joining me for this episode. And if you'd like to learn a little bit more about Hop City, Boxcar, or Barley Garden, you can actually find all of it over at hopcitybeer.com. This podcast is recorded all over our beautiful city and edited over on the east side of town by me, your host. Hello again. Our design is headed up by JJ Getz. And if you like what you hear, you can support the show right now on Patreon for just $5 a month. You can find all of the information on our website at atlfoodcast.com. I'm your host, Ben Getz, and you've been listening to the Atlanta Foodcast. Stay hungry, 